Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com slash family. Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined once again by Ben Gessling and Michael Rand of the Star Tribune. Hi, guys. Hello. And, and Ben's cat. And my cat, Cooper. And, who is, and Ben's uh, cat. Knocking over the out mic- and may uh, knock over a microphone or want to jump on my shoulders. This this cat is a dog. He's that's uh, all right. Very affectionate. It wouldn't be a Vikings podcast or anything regarding the Vikings without massive distractions, and we are going to be talking plenty of distractions around the Minnesota Vikings. Um, starting with their quarterback, it's been a busy week. I don't know if you guys heard, but Kirk Cousins, Nate Stanley, Kellen Mond had to quarantine. Kellen Mond's still in the middle of his quarantine. Uh, can't come back for the minimum 10 days. So earliest he could come back is next Tuesday. Cousins and Stanley are back. They did not get sick. They're healthy, but because they were close contacts, and we'll get into what exactly went on there, what Kirk says went on versus what the team says went on. And we will discuss his thoughts because they are making the rounds in terms of what he's saying about why he will not get vaccinated. Although he says he says his vaccination status, right, Ben, is private, but we know he's unvaccinated because otherwise the NFL would not have made him quarantine right. for the, these right. past five days. So Kirk, nor, com- nor would he need plexiglass. Nor would he need plexiglass. And we'll get into Kirk's comments too, and we'll share a little bit of clip, a little clip from that. But Kirk comes out, returns after a five-day quarantine, takes his first Vikings practice, and says that the close contact issue with the person who tested positive, and that was Kellen Mond on Saturday of last week, he says that that was an issue of a meeting room. He says the NFL's got rules about uh, if you were meeting in too small of a room, it doesn't matter if you have the proper distance or you weren't within the person who tested positive for the threshold of time that it takes because the NFL has got a definition where if you're within six feet of somebody for 10 minutes in a given day, I think it's 10 or 15 minutes that you fall into that close contact. And that's why these guys wear proximity devices in the facilities. That's why all those lengths are taken to try to contain this virus and prevent it from spreading. Kirk obviously did not test positive, but he fell into the close contact definition. He says, Ben, because the Vikings put them in a room that was too small in terms of their quarterback meeting room. So tell us what you know about where they're meeting now and what Kirk said yesterday regarding why he had to sit out for five days. Yeah, so they are apparently now meeting in the draft room, which I guess is what they did last year when they were able to meet in person. Uh, that was not where they were meeting last week when all of this happened. So this issue that the NFL – protocol on this stuff says that you have to be in a room that allows everybody who's unvaccinated, I believe, at least to have six feet of social distancing between them. And it doesn't say kind of what happens if you don't have that. But that was the issue that he brought up yesterday. And as I understand it, too, they are defining close contact differently this year from from how it's been explained to me by a couple of people the, the cumulative amount of time you spend with somebody is factored in now. So it's, if you spend you know, three minutes with somebody at five different times in the, in the day, that is factored into this close contact calculation in a way that it would not have been last year. So even for that amount of time, it sounds like had, 
had Cousins been around Mon for the amount of time he was in a small room last year, he probably would not have been a close contact. So it sounds like that was an issue. And then he brings up the size of the room, which kind of threw everybody for a loop a little bit. But they they did meet in a different room last year. And I that, I think, was a little bit of his way of saying, hey, um, there are things we can all do here to set ourselves up to not have this happen. And this comes after several days of the Vikings publicly uh, calling out their unvaccinated players. And I think that was his way a little bit of saying, um, your house is not completely clean here either. And the now, Viking, it, the, the obvious thing he could have done is Ben, 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 are you touching your mic or is your cat touching your mic? Uh, the cat is rubbing along. <laughs> We're going to toss the cat out. <laughs> we just could, we couldn't hear you because we could only hear the mic getting rumbled. <laughs> okay. Say goodbye to the cat. Goodbye, Cooper. Bye, Cooper. We'll see you later. <laughs> like I said, it wouldn't be a Vikings podcast without a major distraction or anything regarding the Vikings. Are we leaving um, that in? Yeah, absolutely. We're leaving that in. Could we yeah. hear any of the things I said? Yeah, could, no, yeah. I, I we can hear most of it. When he yeah. stopped you, it was when there was the rubbing noise. So it was okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. So we hear him talk about this idea of the room being too small. This it's important to note comes after four days of him being gone and Mike Zimmer kind of without naming Kirk specifically criticizing his unvaccinated players. And then Mike Zimmer goes on KFAN on Tuesday afternoon and fairly specifically criticizes Kirk cousins. When Dan Barrero asked him, do you talk to Kirk about this stuff? And he says, I talked to him about the protocols, which he doesn't believe in, I believe was the quote, which did not sit well with anybody. So Cousins coming to the podium yesterday and pointing out the size of the room thing was a little bit of his way of saying, yes, I was a close contact, but had we met in a different spot, we probably would have been okay. And now the, the obvious comeback to that, and people made it, was, hey, if you're vaccinated, like Jake Browning was, this isn't an issue. You're not going to be a close contact. And, and he said, I'm not getting into that. It's a personal decision. It's something I'm going to keep private. But he was trying to point out that even though I'm not vaccinated, which I won't tell you, but you can figure that out. Uh, even though I'm not vaccinated, had we been in the right meeting room, I wouldn't have missed this time. So that I, was a little bit of his way of saying, this is not 100% on me. And uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out going forward. Cause there's a lot of tension here. Yeah. And, and Ben, you've, you've reported and confirmed the Vikings do in fact have the lowest vaccination rate in the league. We've seen players yes. and very important players for the Vikings, uh, including Kirk cousins. We know Nate Stanley is also unvaccinated. I've been told Kellen Mond is unvaccinated. So that's three quarters of their quarterback room. Not to mention Harrison Smith, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, a lot of important players for this team, leaders in the locker room, which might go to, to lend to the reason why you're not having certain factions or 30% if you're following the Washington Post report that it's only a 70% vaccination rate in the locker room. 30% of it's not. And so if you've got these fringe bubble players, guys who are in the room with whether it's a Kellen Mond or a Nate Stanley, if they're looking at Kirk and saying he's following those protocols, I'll just do that. Why do I need to get vaccinated? 
um, it, it, it hurts a little bit when the team's efforts to vaccinate their players, it gets kind of undercut when you've got leaders in that locker room who aren't doing it. And I think that that is going to become a problem and has been for this team where Mike Zimmer, he says, I think it was a couple days ago this week. He says, I'm done talking about this. And this was after the Barrero appearance. This was after the K fan comments. And so that was pretty much the most inflammatory stuff where he comes out and says, yeah, Kirk just doesn't believe in the protocols. That is the kind of stuff where it was him boiling over kind of coming to a head. And that's when he finally backs off. Cause I'm sure he was told afterward, Hey, let's, let's cool it down a little bit on calling out your players publicly, but he said enough, he said enough over from June to the beginning of training camp. This is a problem that he wants to go away because he understands that it's going to affect their competitive advantage. And I'm not trying to sit here and say that he's becoming some health czar for the public. I think we all can kind of see through it and understand that this is about being available and how he's selling it to the team and how players like Anthony Barr describe how Mike Zimmer's selling it to the team. It's to do what's best for the team. The NFL is saying if you are unvaccinated and you're a close contact, it doesn't matter if you're not sick. It doesn't matter if you're not a threat to anybody health-wise. You cannot come to work and you can potentially not play in a very important game. And so they're selling it as that competitive advantage. Whatever good or bad comes out of getting vaccinated, they are selling that as just this is what is best for the team and for football. And Mike, that's why Mike Zimmer is so vocal about it. I don't think anybody's sitting there saying, boy, Mike Zimmer's really on board with this for political or health or whatever reasons. I think people are pretty clear-minded of the fact that this is just something the NFL has said you need to do to have a competitive team this year, or at least to have everybody available. And when we point out that six, seven starters on this team are unvaccinated, that could be a big problem if any one of the guys in those position rooms uh, gets sick and let's say is close to Adam Thielen, Adam might have to miss a game only because he was near somebody the 53rd guy on the roster potentially who tested positive. So Mike, let's quick get to Kirk's comments about, he says he's going to do everything possible to avoid being a close contact. And the subtext of that is except get vaccinated, but let's look quick here from him. And one thing that he said he wants to do potentially this year. So I'm going to be vigilant about avoiding a close contact. I've even thought about, should I just set up literally plexiglass around where I sit so that this could never happen again? Um, I thought about it because I'm going to do whatever it takes. So, Mike, he says he wants to put plexiglass potentially around where he's sitting because he says that's how far he'll go or meet. I think at one point he even said we'll meet outside in January under a goalpost if that's what it takes. So what was your reaction to that, Mike? I've got like so many thoughts on this and I want to I'm trying to figure out how far I want to go. First of all, I think the plexiglass could be a good solution to their leaky offensive line. Um, put, put up the plexiglass <laughs> during a game, maybe, um, let him, you know, let him kind of throw from th- throw from like a little case, uh, with a little hole in it for the football. And then maybe you got something. A, a little, um, what did you say, Mike? What's it? A little, what did you call it? A little hole to throw through. No, what, before that, what did you say? A case, some a kind of a glass, case. a glass case of emotion. A, ca- a case, a case you say, um, so that that that's the joke that that's the joking uh, reaction to it. Everything else, I'm, I I just can't, I can't handle his comments. Uh, Thursday, everything was a deflection. Everything was, he's just kind of showing what a what a selfish person and what a bad leader he is. Um, frankly, it's it's not, you know, it, it's not just football related. It's it's everything is about him. What he's trying to do to you know. Oh, we can do these protocols. And at the bottom line is if you would just get vaccinated, like Mike Zimmer said, like everybody is saying, 
none of this would be an issue. And it, you know, goes beyond football. It's people like him who are fully capable of getting vaccinated, but who have decided that this is a personal choice, not a public health decision to get vaccinated. They are the absolute reason we are headed into another wave of this with the Delta variant. So I've got zero sympathy for Kirk Cousins. And I think he's, I think he's a hundred percent wrong. And I think this is doing long-term damage to his reputation and probably the relationship he has with this team. Yeah, and Ben, I think it's worth pointing out that a lot of people, I remember talking to people in the building in June about their efforts to get players vaccinated and, and really trying to push them to do so. Um, and Mike Zimmer, even this training camp brought up, we brought in Justice Allen Page, we brought John Randall. They brought former players to try to connect with players on every level of saying, right. look, just, just get vaccinated, do what's best for not only your community and your family and your friends, but for the team. Um, but I remember people in June telling me in the building saying, you know what, I think we're going to get to training camp. And I think some of these guys who seem hardline about being anti-vaxxers, basically, I, I think they're going to, there are people within the building that thought they're going to get to work and realize, boy, this is just not fun. It's not fun to sit at a different table at lunch. It's not fun to have to wear a mask all day. It's not fun for the 30% of us currently on the Vikings who are unvaccinated to have to operate differently in a meeting room, uh, travel differently eventually once they start traveling for games. Uh, the Vikings are seeing, though, that that is not necessarily the case, at least right away. We are not seeing these guys who Mike Zimmer said are pretty staunch in some of them and being against the vaccine and getting it at least at this point in August, um, we're not seeing that, that switch. We're not seeing guys kind of cross over and, and get the shot. Mike Zimmer said every once in a while, there's one or two guys that come in and say they want to get it. And he said, I hope that continues. But Ben, we're not seeing what happened, for instance, in Washington, where reportedly they had one of the lowest rates in the league. And then within a week or two of camp, they jumped 20%, which can be 10 guys getting it or whatever, 10 or 15 guys. So that's a coach that's a cancer survivor, we should true, true. So, so they've had reasons in their own building to get motivated to do it, to help people that are in their building for health reasons as well. But Ben, we're not seeing these guys, whether we're talking about Harrison Smith, Adam Thielen, whom we both saw wearing masks yesterday on the practice field when they weren't practicing. And that's the rule in the NFL. If you're not practicing or participating and you are unvaccinated and watching, you have to wear a mask while you're watching it. And so it's easy just to see the guys who are following the different protocols. And I don't know if we're going to see these guys kind of bend to the pressure because it's peer pressure. It's, it's coworker pressure, the, the league, your boss is pressuring you and it's just not happening. And I've heard some players say to people behind the scenes of look, just wait it out. They're, they're not going to be able to force us to do anything. And that it's, it could be a problem when we talk about the availability. If we're just talking about football, it's going to be a problem in 17 regular season games, something is bound to happen. Well, I, I have a few thoughts on this. One, I, I do think from the little bit I've heard that there will be – some of those guys are dug in, but I think there are some that aren't. And I think there are some that are at least thinking about at some point, ah, maybe I'll get the vaccine. Among the starters we've talked about, I've heard at least one name that is, that is thinking about getting it at some point. So we'll see how that goes. But the other thing on the other side of this is we talk about vaccination rates – I would suspect that in the Vikings locker room and in locker rooms around the league, you're going to see that rate of vaccinated players potentially drop in a month and a half when you have guys that are on the fringe of making a roster that have every reason to be available. A guy like Jake Browning benefits tremendously from this. He, he did this week. So 
if guys like that are not on rosters, those numbers I think are going to go down a little bit. Not that the NFL will be as interested in trumpeting those as they are with the 90% overall vaccination rate that they're talking about right now. But I do think you're going to see some of that change. And I think you have guys like the ones we've mentioned that either are on guaranteed contracts or play important roles on this team that are not going to get cut. It's not going to be a reason that somebody says you can't play this fall because we don't know that we can trust you to stay healthy and be available. It's not going to happen. So you have some players that just like every, we talk about this all the time. The, the, The NFL love language is guaranteed money because it's insurance against being cut. So if you have guys that either have that or have important roles on the team that aren't really replaceable, they don't have the same pressure to get vaccinated as others would. Now you can also say if you're Kirk Cousins and you miss a game and you miss the playoffs because of it, it's going to hurt you financially and certainly hurt your reputation down the road. But the, the only thing here that I think we should point out, the NFL has not mandated the vaccine. And obviously that's a negotiation with the NFLPA. They have left players a choice and have certainly opted to say, we're going to strongly encourage slash put a fair amount of incentive on you getting vaccinated. But when they have left a choice, they do leave themselves open to this where you have guys that are going to say, for whatever reason, I'm not getting this thing, whether I have a underlying health condition that I'm worried about, whether I want to know more about the long-term effects of it, which I think science would suggest at this point, we're probably fine, but there's probably going to be people that say, I don't know about that for sure. People may have beliefs that tell them to not get the vaccine. It it could be, and there there could be worse reasons than that. I mean, Mike Zimmer alluded to this about guys reading misinformation and, you know, kind of conspiracy theory stuff, which is probably not a good reason to not get a vaccine. Obviously the three of us work in, in journalism. We are on the side of verifiable, accurate, reliable information. So if people are making that decision, it's not a good one, but the, the only point I'd make here to, to sum up this point with points in between it, I suppose, uh, is that when you don't mandate it, and maybe you can't, but you do leave yourself open to some of this happening. Yeah, and that, as you said, that's a negotiation that they have to have with the PA if they were to ever, ever mandate something like that. There isn't a hard time getting that through. Yeah, there isn't a union standing there saying you can't do this to the coaches or the front office members. The NFL can just do it, and that's what they did. Which is what um, we do with Rick Dennison. It was, you can't be on the field if you don't have this vaccine. They can't do that to players because players have a union. That is it, an important dynamic to point out here. Absolutely. And Mike, we talk about this issue with the Vikings and having the league's lowest vaccination rate. I think the biggest concern, right, is that it's three-fourths of their quarterback room. It's not just Kirk Cousins. It's if you were to lose Kirk for a game, the guy you'd hope to see is the third-round rookie that you just drafted. Uh, we don't know if he's gotten a shot yet at this point, but when he tested positive last Saturday, I was told the only reason he tested is because unvaccinated players have to test every single day. Now, if somebody pops up and has symptoms and they're vaccinated, they will test them. But Mond was only testing because that's just what you were supposed to do as an unvaccinated player. So with both Kirk Cousins and Kellen Mond unvaccinated, I imagine that's why it's Mike Zimmer's biggest headache. Yeah, it is. And it's it's not just and I think, you know, one thing we got into that's important is not I don't want to single out Kirk Cousins here. And I think, Andrew, you've done a good job of of 
mentioning Adam Thielen, mentioning Harrison Smith. I mean, obviously quarterback is the most important position on the field. So you're right. Like having, you know, missing cousins and possibly Mon for a game uh, would be a pretty big competitive disadvantage, but they are not the only ones who are key members of this team. You're talking about, you know, a, an all pro wide receiver. You're talking about, you know, your one of your longest tenured best defensive players, you know, league wide you know, Lamar Jackson's had to miss 10, 10 days because he got COVID. Like this is not just a Kirk cousins thing. This is a league thing. I think where you get into the Kirk cousins thing is, is I think his comments yesterday probably exacerbated this a little bit. And, you know, I think he's coming at it from a, a place of trying to defend himself. And there's just not a great way to defend yourself in this case. But the, the bigger point you're making, yes, yeah, the competitive thing, it's a huge risk. And like we've pointed out so many times, like this is a huge year for the Vikings. Like Mike Zimmer's looking at this and he's saying, I lost probably the most important position coach on the whole field, trying to rebuild an offensive line. That's not been good for the last several years. And now I got to worry about my quarterback, maybe not being able to play every single week, just not knowing if that's going to hold up or not. Um, so yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that's drawing a lot of his ire and for good reason. Yeah. So moving forward, it's going to be interesting to see how the Vikings rate changes. They're going to cut unvaccinated bubble players. Like that's going to be factored into the decision. There was yeah, a, conference. yeah, there was, there was a conference call um, with the head chief medical officer, Dr. Alan Sills with um, I believe a couple other NFL executives about a month ago. And somebody had asked, it might've been Chris Mortensen just asked, well, what's, what's the push going to, come to shove when it, when it comes to roster cutting and you're just going to see teams just shed these unvaccinated bubble players because they're going to go with a guy that they think is going to be more reliable and available like Jake Browning was, for instance, for the Vikings in this five days. And the NFL just kind of turned a blind eye to it and said, oh, we see no correlation between the two teams are going to make their decisions. Well, that's, that's, a bunch, that's a bunch of bull because we know that leagues and the Vikings and Mike Zimmer has put voice to it. They want available players. Mike Zimmer, I believe, said about Jake Browning, he's really smart. He's vaccinated. I love that quote. And he said those things back to back. And then he went on to say, look, those are independent things as well. Jake is also very smart. He's not just saying that because he's vaccinated. But Zimmer also in the same breath went on to say that being available is super important in a team sport. He gave the entire speech that you would imagine going down in, in a front office room when they're deciding who to keep and who not to keep on a roster. And so when it's got, when it comes to guys that we're looking at it's like a defensive end Hercules Mata Afa. There's there's other like bubble players, Nate Stanley. There are a bunch of guys who are wearing masks around the facility who they could help themselves by just being more available and getting the shot. And so how is that going to affect the team, the league wide rates, the team wide rates? Um, and how's that going to affect roster decisions? Because in a month when they start cutting the, or three weeks, when they start cutting these rosters down, we're going to see some of those decisions by individual players get affected by by them not having their job anymore because they decided not to get it. And that's not going to be the case for, as you said, for the cousins, the Dalvin Tomlinson's uh, Harrison Smith, probably even Alexander Madison, somebody else we've seen with a mask around the building. There are guys who are good enough who are going to keep their jobs, um, but that's not going to be the case for everybody. And so this is a story that's, it's not going to go away. It's not going to go away. Certainly for the Vikings as they deal with this in their quarterback room in one of the most high profile uh, situations right now in the NFL. Andrew, so. can I add one thing on this? I'm just absolutely yeah. sorry. I don't mean to derail it, but I'd be curious what you guys think about this as it pertains to 
Cousins' long-term future here? Like, is this damaging a relation? I mean, obviously, he's under contract for this year and next year. Like, there's nothing they can anybody can do about that. But, you know, for thinking about extension next year, things like that, does this become water under the bridge at a certain point if he has a really good year? Or are we seeing a strain in this relationship that could have long-term impacts, do you think? Yeah, Ben, what do you think? I I think that's a, a fair thing to wonder about. I I think there certainly has been an issue of trust here. Um, I think between Kirk Cousins and the organization, that is a, a question right now. Um, I think on on both sides, I think there's probably some of those feelings right now. I, I In fact, I know there is on both sides. Yeah, I think, it, I mean, it kind of depends how this goes, right? If he ends up missing yes. a game, that they need to win, then yes, that's going to hurt everybody's chances to keep their own jobs. And it's going to hurt their impressions of him if they are to keep their own jobs as well. And I think the, you know, we already kind of saw some signs of this relationship possibly reaching a turning point here when they drafted Kellen Mond and possibly the sign that they're looking beyond cousins and the contracts and the, the, the salary cap hits and all of this. And, I think now there's certainly a strain in that relationship and it's not just Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer. I'll tell you that there, there are other people in the organization that this involves that this question of who do you trust and how much do you feel like somebody's in your corner versus not in your corner is a big part of the question. And if that continues, it's not when well, we've seen it, we saw it in green Bay. When you have, we still see it in Green Bay, when you have your quarterback and your decision makers not on the same page, it is a hard way to move forward. And you make up for some of that on the field. You just win games. A lot of this goes away. But these dynamics are very much in play here. Yeah, it feels like it's a, a landmine almost just sitting underneath their path forward and you just can't step on it. And, and when I say that, I mean in terms of, Kirk missing a game or an important game. If yep. he plays 17 games, they fight for a playoff spot. Let's say they get a playoff spot. Uh, if this is similar to 2019 where, you know, you, you win a playoff game maybe and make a little bit of a run, then it's not an issue. It's not an issue until it is. And, and the big thing with the vaccine is when it comes to NFL rules is if you just got it, then the only time you're sitting out is if you're sick. That's the only time you're going to have to sit out. And so that's where the NFL has tried to draw that hard line. And with Kirk taking the other side of it, he is going to run the risk of it. It doesn't matter if you sit outside in January. It doesn't matter if you do X, Y, or Z. If you, somebody in your household tests positive, you are a close contact now, which means because you're unvaccinated, you need to sit out. It's not just about what happens inside the building. It also means going outside, being in a bar, being in a restaurant, being around family members who might be positive. Um, if the truth comes to light that he's around somebody who is outside of the building, that's going to fall under the same rules of being a close contact. And you're not going to be in a giant QB room, in a draft room, at your own home or something like that, even though Kirk's home might be that big. Um, I just think this is it's, it feels like a landmine going forward that they can avoid and it can be no issue. Um, and, and there is a good question that we got, I think, from Neil. And, and we can get to it just right now before we get to our other ones for the mailbag. But he had asked about. Is there a few, what is the future for unvaccinated players in the NFL? Because we talked about this with Rick Dennison. Does he, he did, his job is gone now as offensive line coach. We don't, I don't foresee them yanking Phil Rauscher's job title from him to put in Rick Dennison. Also, 
Ben, do you envision the rules ever changing with the NFL? I think they've taken a pretty hard line stance of people need to be vaccinated to participate as coaches and then players to make your life easier. You need to do it. So what, what is the future for unvaccinated players in this league? And can it only be superstars or high paid players? Well, that's a good question. And I think there is certainly some feeling among players that a lot of these testing protocols that give you so many benefits when you are vaccinated are in part to encourage vaccination as much as they are to protect people. Because, you know, one thing I've heard this week, and this may be changing now, the NFLPA notified players uh, this week, I think that they are recommending, and the NFL hasn't signed off on this yet, but they are now recommending that vaccinated players go back to daily testing. Right now, the way it works is unvaccinated players test every day, just like they did in 2020. Vaccinated players test for COVID once every two weeks. And the, the wild card of this whole thing is the Delta variant. How much more contagious is it? How much more lethal is it? How much more, I mean, whether it's not, whether lethal or not, but uh, how much more likely is it to give you a serious illness and how, you know, long COVID symptoms, that sort of thing. That's, that may change some of these protocols going forward as well. So that's going to be another piece of this equation, I think, is they figure out, can we go forward and give these vaccinated players the same kind of advantages that we wanted? Because that was already a question, I think, in some circles of, are these protocols set up to keep the virus out? Or are these protocols set up to move everybody toward vaccination as the way to keep the virus out and vaccination by all accounts is the best way to keep this thing from spreading anymore. And we're all tired of it. We're all, we don't want life to go back to normal, but I also think that the question has come up this week, certainly on the union side about, is there more we should be doing to keep players safe beyond just saying a vaccination is kind of the, the magic bullet. Yeah, that's a good point that there is going to be kind of, I think Kirk called it a moving target as far as what the NFL is trying to hit in terms of having the right protocols at the right time. Right now, there's certain rules where they've treated almost the vaccination as this uh, silver bullet that can kind of protect you from transmission when you're seeing the latest news out of the CDC and just reports from, from medical experts and saying, no, if you're vaccinated, you can still transmit this. And so the NFL's whole ironclad if you're vaccinated, you can't be a close contact. Maybe they need to revisit that as well. So there might be changes coming down the pike as this thing spreads. And we're about to go Saturday now in a, in a day to U.S. Bank Stadium where they're going to let 20,000 fans in. Our stadiums across the league going to have to start requiring mask mandates, capacity limits, all these things. With the way things are headed, for instance, in L.A. and California, what are those rules going to be like? It seems like there's going to be a difference now. Instead of just what we thought in May was going to be at yeah, open doors, we're back in business, everybody's jamming into these stadiums. I think a lot of things are going to be changing um, just day by day and week by week. The, the, the last thing I'll say on this is that this idea, this whole topic being on Mike Zimmer's mind as much as it is, I had a conversation with somebody this week that suggested Maybe one of the reasons for that is that if this Delta variant spreads and the NFL has to say we have to reduce capacities in stadiums or we have to go back to no fans, Mike Zimmer is very aware of what an advantage the noise at U.S. Bank Stadium creates. And if you can't do it the same way that you have done it in the past, it makes life harder for your defense when Aaron Rodgers is not worried about the noise 
the offensive lineman can hear the snap count just fine. He can hard count you, all that kind of stuff. So that may be one of the things in his mind too, when he's kind of making this call to not just our players, but everybody that's not vaccinated, let's just get this thing done and, and try to, to knock it out. And I think that potential ramification of the Delta variant may be in his mind as well. It was remarkable to see Aaron Rodgers draw multiple, I think it was multiple Vikings defenders offsides yeah. in a game yeah. at their own stadium last year. And that's, yeah, football-wise, that's just the kind of thing that definitely probably sticks in Mike Zimmer's mind. Um, before we get to the mailbag, we should mention quick, oh, by the way, the Vikings released first-round pick Jeff Gladney after an indictment. Even our podcast, they released a the first-round pick. Yeah, yeah, who would have thought that would be – yeah, third. Who would have thought that would have been 35 minutes yeah, into a podcast that we do that? Um, but it, it's just an ugly case involving Jeff Gladney. A lot more details came out when a civil suit was filed against him. Uh, some 30, 40 pages of details of what happened over the course of March, the night of, I believe, March 31st into August or April 1st um, in terms of strength, uh, allegedly strangling, beating his girlfriend. And so and then trying to bribe and basically get her to not press charges after the fact. Um, all these things led to the Vikings. And when the formal indictment came down, that was the day that the Vikings decided to move on from Jeff Gladney. Uh, Jeff Gladney's agent came out, released a statement to Ben and many other uh, media members just saying that uh, he felt that innocent until proven guilty wasn't honored, but the Vikings clearly felt that the allegations against Jeff were bad enough that they're going to move on from him. So I guess, Mike, what was your reaction to that? Because we're, we're coming with a lot of serious topics here, but what was your reaction to that from uh, the football standpoint and just when they decided to make that move? I mean, they, they had to do it, and we can give them credit, I guess, for you know acting relatively quickly once this became official. You know, there's the, I guess, whatever the due process was, the indictment's a pretty big deal. If you're getting indicted on a felony uh, grand jury charge, that's, uh, that, that's probably a, a pretty good sign that things have gone uh, amiss in, in, in the thing you did. So I guess give them a baseline of credit for acting quickly, condemning it, and uh, you know, saying that's, that's it. Um, you know, as that was interesting, they, they basically, was it? defensive line coach i remember a defensive coordinator who said basically this won't have any impact on the field they've already essentially weren't game planning for him to be part of the on the field product this year at least because they've you know, signed all these veterans things like that so you know from a football standpoint i guess the only thing is a you know it's a first round pick from 2020 who i thought had some potential on the field last year so you know it might not have much impact in 2021 but it might have some impact in 2022 and beyond uh and the other thing is boy, that's a whole lot of years now of uh, not a lot of production from your first round picks. Now, obviously, Justin Jefferson is the uh, giant exception to that. He was also a first round pick last year, but haven't really seen Christian Derrissaw yet this year. He was their first round pick. You know, 2019 was, um, Garrett Bradbury. was the Garrett Bradbury year. We're still kind of waiting and seeing on how well he's going to pan out. He is a starter. So, you know, the question is how good he's going to be. 2018 was Mike Hughes. He's gone. 2017, they didn't have a first-round pick because of the Sam Bradford trade. 2016 was Laquan Treadwell. I mean, you kind of go back. It's only it's only six years, but that's not a lot from a lot of high-equity picks. And, 
you know, ideally, you know, two, three, four of those guys are, if not stars, at least, you know, kind of cornerstone players on your roster. And they, I don't think they can say that at all right now. Yeah, Ben, you were reporting on this story for us. What are just the football kind of cap ramifications and all that with this move? Yeah, so they actually recap or recoup a little bit of cap space from this. The the paragraph five, in other words, his base salary guarantees for the next three years are voided now. So they get it's a, a little over a million dollars back this year, and then it's like a million and a half or a million six, I think, the year after that. And then two thirds of his base salary in 2023 was guaranteed, and that's gone now as well. So whether his signing bonus, whether they can come after that, I think depends on when I haven't been looking at COVID protocol this week, I've been looking at the CBA about how you can recoup signing bonuses. It's, it's been a week, man. Um, I think article four, section nine or article nine, section four. It's my favorite one about this. Yeah. It's one of those that you can recoup forfeitable parts of your salary if you do things like get thrown in jail. So if Jeff Gladney is convicted, I think the Vikings could go after his bonus um, on top of the base salary guarantees they already have. So other than that, the only kind of financial ramifications they have are still counting the dead money from the signing bonus, but they do get a little bit of money back these next couple of years in terms of his base salary. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? It's nice, too, it's nice, too, that they can use that extra money to sign an emergency quarterback in week four. <laughs> oh God. I mean, we have seen them use money allocated for corners to sign emergency quarterbacks in the middle of seasons before. I don't know if anybody heard me whispering before. Uh, I, I, when you were going through the draft picks, I whispered, just, just tell him you drafted Dalvin Cook. <laughs> call back to the midseason acquisition of Josh Freeman. The, just tell him you're happy to be here. Yeah, that was the best. So <laughs> it's happened. That money was it has to happened on Winfield to come back that year, and they did it Josh Freeman instead. So we have seen strange things like this in the past. And the only other point on the corners is that yes, they feel like they're in good shape for this year. Most of the guys they signed are on one-year deals, exactly. so this remains an issue going forward. All right, let's get to some Twitter questions here. We got 15 minutes left. We'll start off with this one. Too much show or not enough show. Too much stuff to talk about. It's true. Um, This one is from 7790. Skull wants to know if Kirk Cousins misses multiple games due to not being vaccinated, are there any contractual outs or ways to void remaining contract years? Okay. I don't think that's the case. Wishful thinking. Yeah, but Ben, is there anything that would change about Kirk missing a game? Now, the league has said, correct me if I'm wrong, if you miss, if an unvaccinated player misses a game because of COVID, they don't get the game check. Or no, no, I'm thinking of the roster bonus stuff, where if yeah. there's a game that is um, canceled or forfeited because of an outbreak, it's the unvaxxed players who won't get roster bonus money, meaning like in every, con- well, many contracts, They've got it written up that if you were available, if you were part of the 46-man game day roster for a game, you get this bonus. And so a lot of Vikings players have that. Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, Anthony Barr. A lot of guys have daily. Harrison Smith does, unvaccinated. A lot of guys have these bonuses in them. So if the Vikings had an outbreak, for instance, and they couldn't play a game within a given week and they had to forfeit, uh, certain players aren't getting paid. And so I guess is there any other ramifications for guys – 
like, let's say Kirk just ends up on the COVID list. There's no outbreak and they have to start Jake Browning for a game. Is there anything contractually to your understanding that can be done to recoup any kind of money or does he just uh, continue on with the guaranteed contract? Well, they have said they're not going to come after game checks, right? Yeah. My understanding is that you can't, if a guy's on the reserve COVID-19 list, he's getting paid. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't think that would be any different than being on injured reserve and you get your paid. I'm trying to remember that last conference call that we were on with the league. I I think they said they wouldn't go after game checks. The difference would be like we're talking about with these roster bonuses, where if you're on the, the game day roster, you get a prorated portion of this bonus for every, every week you're available. So Harrison Smith has a $300,000 up to $300,000 bonus for this, this year. Uh, Anthony Barr has 500,000. Adam Thielen has 500,000 for this. Uh, Dalvin Cook has 500,000. Eric Kendricks has 250. Um, Bashad Breland has $925,000 wrapped up in this. Uh, Sheldon Richardson, 600K. Nick Vigil and Xavier Woods, both 250K. So there's a fair amount of money. And we've heard, I mean, Harrison Smith, when you asked him about it, Adam Thielen said this. Sheldon Richardson said it, that they have not been vaccinated. And we've certainly at least seen Smith and Thielen in masks this week, which would indicate they're still not vaccinated. Not quite sure as much about Sheldon, but uh, there are players that would be affected by this. And then the Vikings get some cap space back. But the question is going to be about Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins certainly is not their only unvaccinated prominent player. He is the one that is taking the most uh, heat for it for obvious reasons. He's the quarterback, but he does not have a per game roster bonus. His is it's $21 million base salary. And then that's all for cash. And then they add another 10 million of the signing bonus proration. So there's, there's really no cap effect on cousins because he's a quarterback that doesn't have to rely on these per game roster bonuses to make his money. Yeah. They're, they're not going to be able to void contract years if he gets sick or causes a, an outbreak. That's not how that, that's not how that works. So no. Kirk, Kirk is locked in there and it really doesn't matter um, if he misses games or, or uh, anything like that due to COVID-19. Um. All right, Mike, let's go to your favorite topic in the offensive line. The Vikings Gazette wants to know, what are the chances Dakota Dozier is still the starting right guard in week one? Now, Mike, we haven't seen Wyatt Davis do much of anything. He was injured, but he came back, has been working with the backups. It's basically just been Dozier and Ole Udo right there at that spot. Sure has, Andrew. Um, I'd say the chances are pretty good that it's Dakota Dozier week one. I mean, when you got a rookie who hasn't been able to do much, and that's me. He's a third round pick also like that's not like a slam dunk, like can't miss prospect anyway, even if they think highly of him. Um, I, I would say there's a very good chance Dakota Dozier is a starter in week one. And maybe that's not how you finish up the year. And that's not how you ideally would start the year. Um, but uh, it's, it's not trending great. You, you, you want to everything. The, the best case scenario, obviously, for them would have been. Derisaw and Davis are healthy and looking good early in camp. Maybe they got some wrinkles to iron out, things like that, but that you, you know, that they've got the position coach they thought they were going to have and that they are learning and ready to go week one. And that feels like it's about as far from where we are right now as possible. So I, I, I don't, I don't feel great about, Anybody other than Dakota Dozier probably starting at that uh, at that guard spot, and we're going to have to see if if Darius is ready to go at tackle too. It could be Rashad Hill, although Rashad Hill has been out a little bit lately too, has he not? Yeah, if Rashad Hill did come back yesterday. He's been basically taking every other day off, so I don't know if he's nursing some kind of minor injury or what, but he has been able to be out there 
practicing and was at left tackle yesterday. Ben, it has not been all rosy for the uh, rookie offensive lineman, has it? No, it has not. Uh, the fact that we have not seen Wyatt Davis do anything other than snap at center a little bit, and we have not seen Christian Derrissaw is not a good sign. And I, I have a hard time with the idea that this team is going to be markedly better if – I mean, they'll be better overall probably because the defense – presumably it's going to be better than it was, but you also need the offense to take a step if you're going to be competing for a deep playoff run. And I think it's hard to count on that happening if the offensive line does not do a better job of giving Kirk Cousins clean pockets to throw from. Uh, if they don't do a better job of of uh, protecting him, then they have. So if that doesn't happen... I think that puts a ceiling on how good you're going to be. So the fact that we haven't seen these guys out there yet, especially given how much they talked on draft night about we, we expect Christian Derrissaw to be the left tackle. And maybe that still happens. But the fact that we haven't seen them to this point, there's a lot of work left to do. Yeah, Christian Derrissaw said yesterday his goal is still to be the week one opening starter at left tackle, but Riley Reef was arguably your second best offensive lineman last year. So to maintain that level of play that you just got last year, which especially when they bought him out against the Falcons was not great. Uh, they need Derrissaw to be just as good as Riley Reef out of the gate. That's a lot to ask out of a rookie. And there's going to be some learning curves there. Uh, Joel wants to know who is the biggest surprise at training camp, not named KJ Osborne. Now Vikings fans certainly have heard that name quite a bit because he took, for instance, the reps, for Adam Thielen yesterday, Adam Thielen got a veteran's day off. We saw KJ Osborne lining up as the outside receiver opposite, um, opposite Justin Jefferson, DD Westbrook, presumably is going to be one of those guys when he's healthy. But at this point, he's nine, nine and a half months removed from a torn ACL. They are still easing him back into the mix. So um, he's going to have to show a lot here in the preseason to start earning some reps right away. Um, biggest surprise. I would say for me, it's really, it's been Cameron Smith. And I say this because not necessarily he's, you know, going to be a lock for a starting job, but they're actually having him be the main competitor with Nick Vigil for that third, um, that third spot in the starting defense, the base defense. So Eric Wilson's gone. He was the guy last year and it's going to be either Nick Vigil or what looks like Cameron Smith, a guy who a year ago had open heart surgery and um, coaches have been very complimentary of his intellect, what he knows about the game, how he's picking up the playbook. And that goes a long way with trust and reliability and putting him on the field. And if he does well in preseason games, Ben, I wouldn't be shocked if we see him playing some base downs. And that's to me, that's the, the surprise is this guy had his chest opened up a year ago. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been impressive and that. That story is certainly going to be uh, one. They tell a lot if he continues to make it. Um, the, the other names I would throw out there are the, the two guys, the two fifth round picks from Iowa and Iowa state respectively, Amir Smith, Marced and Kene Nuangu. I, I think both of those guys have had flashes of, of some good things. Nuangu I've been particularly impressed with. He, he had a, a swing pass the other day where he, he put a move on somebody along the sideline and then just hit the gas. And, and both those guys have, have pretty good straight line speed. I think the, the immediate place for each of them to contribute could be on special teams because of that. But they both had some moments that have caught my eye. And um, I, I think they both have a chance to, to be contributors, especially 
or like I say, early on special teams, but they, they have a little bit more of that open field speed than I think some of, you know, guys like Alexander Madison have. So I, they've impressed me to this point and I'm curious to see what they do in the preseason. Yeah. It's been interesting to see too, a guy like DJ Wanham entering his second year, they've had him playing some linebacker. They're doing some packages where they're standing these defensive ends up and particularly for Wanham, backing him off the line right next to Kendricks and Barr as a linebacker. And uh, Wanham had said that's not too different from what he did in a 3-4 system at South Carolina. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what kind of wrinkles they keep and how they can involve a guy like that when they have Stephen Weatherly potentially starting opposite Daniel Hunter uh, right out of the gate, which is how I would expect it to go anyway. Um, all right. Uh, we got a question here, too, from um, – Dustin wants to know, haven't heard much about safety Cameron Bynum during training camp. Has he stood out at all? And what is your best guess for his role this season? I would say that we did see him with the starters yesterday because Harrison Smith also got a vet day. And so we saw Miles Dorn and Cameron Bynum rotate as that fill-in safety next to Xavier Woods. Um, Bynum has flashed a little bit in coverage, but we do know how little the Vikings like to play rookies on defense. This is a team that didn't start Eric Hendricks until his second month in the NFL. Um, I think Bynum's going to be a special teams guy. I think that's where he's going to have to earn his role. And they're going to have a lot of opportunities for young guys like that to stand out in their coverage units because they're just going to be churning through options because last year was so dismal on all of those fronts. So the fourth round safety, I think you're just going to see him on special teams. And hey, if you do have Xavier Woods or Harrison Smith go down, seems like he's in the mix to be that guy because the other guy that was rotating in there Miles Dorn is just a second-year uh, player, undrafted out of North Carolina last year. So it's not like he's guaranteed anything either. Um, but that safety depth, I don't know, Mike. It seems like that safety depth is one of those positions that uh, is a little concerning. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they probably, they, they've probably made some calculated risks, right? They, they look at, you know, the most important positions on the field, at least to them and try to decide where they're going to put that backup money. I'm sure they, I wonder if they have a, you know, what was the plan a few years ago? Wasn't it uh, the, the old fellow that was going to play safety occasionally if they needed him to? Terrence oh, Newman. Mind. Terrence Newman. Yeah. Yep. yep. We're going back to like Chris Crocker when they brought him in. Chris Crocker. No, that one, Zim's first training camp. He I talked do. about retirement because he looked at the rest of his safeties and said, like, these guys are yeah. not good. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, Bynum could be, perfectly functional um could you know he's a he's a hard worker from what i remember when i had him on daily delivery a few months ago after he got drafted but yeah it looks a little thin there but that's also probably a position where if something did happen you know injury wise that seemed like it was more serious you could maybe find kind of a veteran to plug and plug and play off the street if you really needed to all right, let's wrap it up with the chicken fingers statement of the week. And this just, it wraps up what is really a forgettable week. If you're a Vikings fan, we talked about the release of a first round draft pick. And of course, Kirk Cousins surrounded in plexiglass. Uh, Mike, why don't you read the statement if you got it pulled up? It's a nice short one. It says, ironically, being a Vikings fan is also an endemic seasonal virus. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, if you didn't laugh, you'd cry, right? When does, <laughs> if, you're a, uh, if you're a Vikings fan. When does Drew McGarry start his... Uh, <laughs> That's got to be... So, yeah, I can't wait for his uh, Why Your Team's <laughs> uh, series this year because it's uh, he's a Vikings fan and he's an angry one and there's plenty of material right now. 
he's got some he's got plenty of material for at least two teams he likes to go that's true that's true yeah those the the vikings and packers are going to be great this year aren't they yes that that's always a a fun uh series to look forward to and i think this year uh should not disappoint all right guys well thank you so much for checking out this episode of the access vikings podcast please follow all of our work at startribune.com maybe you should get off the podcast